Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Testing. All right, we're rolling. And Liam? Angela? Where are we standing right now? We're in downtown Newport uh, by the infamous pit or hole in the ground or opportunity, however you want to look at it. It's this big, empty block here in downtown Newport. There's also, you can see sort of the remnants of foundations of the buildings that used to be here, sort of rocks piled up in places, you can, like almost like the outlines and shadows of where the buildings used to be, and trees and grass growing up through those spots. Yeah, and these were buildings that were torn down intentionally several years ago um, to make way for a very big deal development project that this community was really looking forward to. It was called the Renaissance Block, and it was going to be a new development featuring retail space, offices, apartments, and it was part of these larger developments that were happening across this region. This is our master plan. The owners of the Jay Peak and Burke Mountain ski areas went on an audacious building binge. New hotels, condos, a 25... That these two developers, Bill Stanger and Ariel Kiros... Most ambitiously, some said delusionally, a stem cell manufacturing facility affiliated with the South Korean... And revamped Main Street a whole block of which will be leveled and rebuilt. Spearheading and funding using federal EB-5 money. And here's the novel incentive of the so-called EB-5 visa program with green cards, permanent resident visas for the investors and their families in exchange for forking over $500,000 to private companies to create at least 10 jobs in areas of deep unemployment. And they were going to generate economic development, create jobs, just be sort of like a, a boost and a driver for to kind of help bring this region up. We have a vision, and the vision is, is a great outcome for the community. And that didn't happen. The Securities and Exchange Commission today announced fraud charges and an asset freeze against this a Vermont-based ski resort. What we allege to be a massive and complex fraudulent enterprise. We all feel betrayed. It's a dark day for Vermont. They were accused of fraud and misappropriating the funds they were raising from foreign investors. The ripple effect from the alleged investment fraud scheme in the Northeast Kingdom is now touching Newport. The future of a proposed redevelopment project downtown is now uncertain. And so this block has become sort of a central character in in the story of the EB-5 scandal. It's, it's become the embodiment, like the physical embodiment of the scandal. Like when people talk about the EB-5 scandal, they talk about the whole. All that's left of the EB-5 development project is a massive hole in the ground. The community was left with a giant hole in the ground. It's a gaping wound in the center of Newport, a hole. And so um, why, ha- why are we here? What brings us to this block in Newport? Well, we got a question from uh, one of our Brave Little State listeners. Thank you. 
Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. This is a show about curiosity, where we answer your questions about Vermont, our region, and its people. This month. My name is Jill Raymond. I'm from the Northeast Kingdom, and my question is, what's the plan for the pit in the middle of Newport? A question about a development project gone wrong. You know, can we take it back? Can we do something with it? in a community living with the fallout. There isn't another place in the state of Vermont where you see such a scar on his downtown. And an uncertain path forward. Well, the biggest tragedy is that empty plot doesn't belong to us. Anybody who invests is gonna have to be a, a very generous benefactor. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. We can't really talk about Jill's question until we talk about Newport. So here we go. It's a city in a very northerly part of Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, about 10 miles from the Canadian border. It's got a small population, about 4,300 people, and it's on a big lake. Do you want to tell us where we are, <laughs> like standing right now? Yeah, like, yeah. Just oh my set, God, yes, we are, we are poised gazing out over beautiful Lake Memphremagog. Uh, the sun is shining. My colleague Liam Elder-Connors and I get a little tour of downtown from Julie Raboyne of the City Council and Planning Commission member Colleen Moore-Dorotis. And what we're going to do is we are going to take a little journey up and around the street. We're going to do a walking tour of downtown Newport, including the pit, the famous pit. And we are going to see a lot of the strengths of our community in addition to that one little ginormous weakness. <laughs> or challenge, really. Not a weakness. It's a challenge. Part of the reason there was so much excitement about a development project here is that Newport isn't the most prosperous city. According to recent census estimates, the median household income here is about $38,000, two-thirds the amount of the state overall. This is one of our empty buildings. This is the, the downtown is a patchwork of historic buildings and local businesses, though not every building is occupied. This project was started in anticipation of the success of the EB-5 projects, and here it is. It's a lovely little restaurant. Our first stop is in front of the Northeast Kingdom Tasting Center. It's right across from the demolished block. Sadly for us, the anticipated boom of disposable income that was going to influx into our community with the EB-5 didn't actually materialize. So they've struggled for quite some years. There was a restaurant that was begun by a local couple, and unfortunately after about a year, year and a half, it folded. The spaces in the tasting center are almost all leased, but the center has had to lower its rents to keep occupancy up. Just up the street is a Thai restaurant, which Colleen says is faring much better. One of the biggest success stories. There's also an arts collaborative, and up from there, the Newport Natural Market and Cafe. This is actually where Liam and I had met our question asker earlier in the day. I was kind of worried that the restaurant might not be a great atmosphere for it, but we'll see. It's pretty quiet this morning. 
It was Jill Raymond's idea to meet here at the cafe. It's uh, got a lot of great food. I'm enjoying my carrot cake here. And it's right across the street from the pit. From here, the view of the so-called pit is mostly a chain-link fence covered in green netting. There are a few spots where you can see trees growing up. It looked like a war zone for a while, and now it just kind of looks like the earth took back over the area. Jill has lived in the Northeast Kingdom for 11 years. She says she remembers when this block was demolished in 2015. We were all very excited about that because the area needed the new revitalization. What was here previously was called the Spates Block. It held a mixture of businesses and apartments. A local paper, the Barton Chronicle, called it a collection of buildings that have seen better days. And when the demolished day came, it was very exciting. I mean, I have videos of it. And then um, nothing happened. The EB-5 scandal started, and there was never any money left to fix our downtown. This redevelopment plan, dubbed the Renaissance Block, was one of many very aspirational projects that Bill Stanger and Ariel Kiros cooked up for this area. But the property was seized and put under receivership when the SEC accused Stanger and Kiros of embezzling investor money. This happened in 2016, and a lot more has happened since then. There have been civil charges, class action lawsuits, settlements, and then in May of this year... Uh, We are here in Newport to announce federal criminal fraud charges in connection with the ANC Vermont project, which is one of a series of JPEG EB-5 projects. U.S. Attorney Christina Nolan announced that a federal grand jury had filed criminal charges against Stenger, Kiros, and two of their associates. The charges were in connection with a different project in Newport. But where did Nolan choose to hold her press conference? right in front of the hole. We thought it was important to do this in the place in Vermont that was most shook, most rocked, most affected by this fraud. Now, this empty block might be top of mind for prosecutors and residents, but our question asker Jill says she worries most Vermonters have forgotten about it. I really just wanted to ask this question to remind people that we still have a pit in the middle of our town. It's really challenging to have a few people act at poorly and then have the entire area impacted by it and then to have the rest of the state pretty much ignore it. It's sad. I can't be upbeat about it. I wish I could. I wish I was having a fun interview about something exciting, telling you to come and ski our wonderful slopes or go out on the lake, but the pit's a pit. The other reason Jill asked She says the ongoing uncertainty about the future of the block is taking a toll on the Newport community. I do think that the pit not getting fixed and us not really even knowing how to fix it has impacted our sense of self as a town. And it really bothers me that we don't know who owns it, who's in control of it, what the community could even try to do to fix it. First things first, we do know who owns the pit. Just can I just get your name and title, please? Michael Goldberg. I'm the receiver of JPEG and the related entities. Michael Goldberg is the court appointed receiver in the EB5 case. He's an attorney based in Florida, where the first civil charges were filed against Kiros and Stanger. He's now in charge of the businesses and assets tied up in the case. 
and that includes the block in Newport, as well as the Jay Peak and Burke Ski Resorts and many other properties. So he's a busy guy, and this empty block isn't at the top of his to-do list. The the show that, that I'm working on this for like is, is like a show where we are trying to answer like questions that a listener poses to us. And the question that they posed is, what's the plan for the pit in the middle of Newport? Um, how would you answer that question? Still unknown at this point. My, my plan is to sell it. Whatever the subsequent purchaser's plan is, I don't know. What's the, what's the status of that right now? Where, what's going on with it? Um, we are marketing it, but we're also looking at other possible ways to dispose of the property that I really can't discuss. Um, but, uh, you know, the property is for sale. Okay. And what's the, what's the value of it? Um, the value would be what somebody's willing to pay for it. I'm not trying to be cute in any way, um, since it's a one of a kind property, um, appraisals listed somewhere in the two to three million dollar range. So that's who's going to sell it. Michael Goldberg, the receiver. But who's going to buy it? Hi, we're from Vermont Public Radio. We're actually meeting with the city manager, but just not sure where her office is. How about the stairs for a store on the right? Great, thank you so much. Liam and I go to the Newport Municipal offices to talk to some people asking the same question. One of them is city manager Laura Dolgan. And as far as Dolgan is concerned, if you want someone to buy this thing, don't call it a pit. We can call it a pit all you want. Where is that going to get you? And if we're a community and we're in this together, then call it the Main Street development or call it a development site or call it something that's in process. Dolgan had been on the job for eight months when the EB-5 scandal broke open. It's Main Street and it's a development site. So keep it simple and keep it positive. So poof, here we are. Now, Dolgan is fully aware that selling the property is up to the receiver, Michael Goldberg. She says she doesn't talk to him that often, but he has a fine relationship with Newport. Um, Does the city have a preference, uh, one developer kind of acquiring all of the parcels together um, or some, you know, someone doing a little bit here, someone doing a little bit there. See, that's not within our control. That would be the control of the seller. So that would, that, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to influence that. That would be basically, if I can be blunt, none of our business. If and when um, Mr. Goldberg chooses to sell that property, and if and when there is a buyer, then our zoning um, law, our zoning rules take over. Until that happens, Laura Dolgan and Newport Mayor Paul Manette say the city is working to attract developers to the community as a whole. So, okay, we have this empty block on Main Street, but we have lakefront. We have a beautiful Gardner Park. We have, we have um, recreational trails that are coming in. We've been... Um, I was, was going to say, we have this intersection right out here that you received how much of a grant? grant, downtown transportation grant, to improve this intersection right out here for walkability and realigning the intersection. Several times during our interview, Laura Dolgan gestures to her desk as proof of how hard she's working to improve the city. It's covered with stacks of paper, development plans, and grant proposals. In fact, this pile on my incredibly messy desk right here. One of the documents she shows us is Newport's Waterfront and Downtown Master Plan, which was finished last year. Let's see if I can show it to you. (laughs) 
I'm going to get so confused here. These are the five areas of focus that we have here. We read it closely after our interview, and the plan for the block is vague. It calls it a vacant lot and recommends, quote, infill development. But in the key actions put forth for this area, the plan literally says TBD. Quote, these projects are contingent upon funding and finding developers, the plan says. In any case, there seems to be a disconnect between the city's work to attract developers and residents, like our question asker, Jill. Is there an issue of people or how are you communicating to them that this other work you're doing plays into the larger, this larger development plan and this larger sort of work? We have a group of people um, in the city of Newport who are insatiable. Insatiable. And um, we've been contending with that since 2000, whenever. And as far as the community going, no, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, um, look at my desk. (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that because we're doing our jobs on a daily basis. We're having our meetings. Um, You know, if if these people are, are... feeling like there's more that we should be doing than come visit me and tell me what what onion layer I haven't pulled back yet. I think what part (laughs) of that is, I think part of it is they don't think things are moving because we don't tell them everything we talk about. And if I'm meeting with a potential developer, which I have met with a couple people, they swear me to secrecy. I'm not going to go blab something out there that I've met with, you know, this particular person. And it's not, I mean... You don't announce anything. I'm a firm believer you don't announce anything until the ink is dry. I think we learned that with the EB-5. You don't announce anything until the ink is dry. The city is not alone in working to develop the block. Their partners include the Regional Planning Commission and the state government. But so far, those efforts haven't yielded any concrete projects. I think the most important thing is nobody has said, we are going to develop uh, a building on that property with you. Ted Brady is the deputy secretary for the Agency of Commerce and Community Development. I mean, no, nobody has said that. There, there isn't a list of people that have committed to doing anything. Uh, you know, it, so, so in order to get to that next step, somebody needs to be willing to say, we're, we're in. The state's not going to be the developer for the project. But Brady says they'll likely be a funder and potentially rent space in the new building. There were also funds from a settlement the state reached last year in a civil case against Bill Stanger and Ariel Kiros. At this early stage, Brady says the state is trying to bring together a group to develop the property. We're making sure people know that there's literally millions of dollars in incentives to a private developer that might be interested in uh, building something in downtown Newport. Uh, And that's going to take some time. One challenge to any potential developer is the price of the block. Brady and others we spoke with think the receiver's asking too much for the property. Right now, the receiver's asking more than $2 million for that piece of property. Nobody's willing to pay more than $2 million for that piece of property. But Brady says the state won't pressure Goldberg to change his price. I don't think the state's in the business of strong-arming private landowners into uh, selling something for something less than market value. But what could a future development look like? Ted Brady says maybe a lot like what was initially proposed for the Renaissance block. We think it looks like a public-private partnership that will develop a multi-use building that has commercial, retail, and maybe housing. Uh, 
But that's just our hypothesis right now. Public officials aren't the only ones with ideas about the empty block. Paul Dreyer is the former director of zoning and planning in Newport. He was in city government when the Renaissance block was proposed. And Dreyer still lives in Newport. His apartment looks right out over the empty block, which, by the way, has gotten a lot of national coverage. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen drone flights going over the hole from my front porch or back porch. My kids are like, Daddy, what is that thing up there? And it's someone from Wall Street Journal filming from above, or New York Times, or Boston Globe. Dreher's part of a group of people who want to see the block redeveloped. And they're not waiting around for the state or the city to come up with an idea. Dreher says they're sidestepping those entities and pursuing their own plans. Going rogue is an okay way of putting it, and sometimes it's the only way that you get stuff done. The idea that Dreher's pushing is to focus on piece-by-piece development. He says there's no market for a single large project. So instead, break up the lot and start small. In the urbanist world, it's, we call it incremental development patterns, which is the way historically these villages and towns of the, the whole country, but in particular Vermont, grew on an incremental pattern where as there was a demonstrated need, the use aris- arose. Another possibility for the site, it could become a park. The Act 250 permit issued for the demolition of the block requires the developers to turn the area into a park if the development falls through. According to the permit, that work was supposed to be completed by last May. Greg Bobel, the general counsel at the State Natural Resource Board, which oversees the Act 250 program, hadn't heard of that stipulation. This is literally the first time that it's been brought to our attention. So you're, you're frankly a bit ahead of us on, on this particular matter. He says the board will need to take some time to look into the issue. I will certainly bring it to the attention of the board um, to see if this is something that they'd be interested in enforcing, and if so, um, what that would look like. However, Mayor Paul Manette says a public park in that block is about the last thing he wants. We've had people say that it should be grassed over into another, another public park. Well, we already have a beautiful park just down the street. We don't need another public park right on Main Street, you know, prime, prime, prime spaces. It's got to be something that's on our tax rolls because that's prime property. I think it should be like a community thing. Like a, I agree. Yeah, like a big, people I don't know, just together. a community thing, like a park for kids and adults. Back on our walking tour, we run into two women around the corner from the empty block, Nicole Stevens and Paula Bro. Just somewhere to go sit and relax and be able to bring your kids. There's not many. There isn't anywhere. I mean, the park and that's it, but mm-hmm. be nice to other places. A lot of the apartments don't even have backyards, let alone front yard at all. I wonder, are you guys registered to vote? I am, yes. At this point, Colleen Morty-Ortiz, the planning commission member, kicks into community organizing mode and invites the women to an upcoming meeting. By now, we've turned off Main Street, and Colleen and Julie Raboyne, the city councilor, have shown us around a couple more spots, an art gallery, a recovery center. Their message is clear. Around the edges of this empty block, things are happening. Newport is about more than the so-called pit. While we heard different ideas about the development of the block in pretty much every interview we did, there was a through line. 
that in the reporting of the EB-5 scandal, Newport's story was largely left out, that the people in the city were defined by the failure of this project. We heard this from Paul Dreher. Somehow this 300 feet by 300 feet of street frontage has become the blight of Newport or the end of Newport. And that's a terrible narrative to live with. That's a terrible narrative for my children to be raised in. And Colleen Morde Ortiz. I have to say, I have been pretty resentful in a lot of ways about the state because I hear a lot of news coverage about EB-5, but I don't hear, I hear about reparations to the investors, but I don't hear a lot about reparations to the citizens of this community, right? And our question asker, Jill. I respect that people lost their money and I respect that the investors had expectations that didn't come through. Um, And I'm also really angry and upset that nobody cared about what happened to our town. All right, let's regroup here. Eventually, we end up at the backside of the demolished block with Colleen and Julie. We stand by the chain link fence and a no trespassing sign. And you can hear the women trying so hard to be positive about the situation here. I really actually find it quite a beautiful sight. It's got like greenery growing everywhere. Like it almost looks like an ancient Greek ruin, um, which I find really beautiful. Those buildings were not just ugly, but they cast shade on the other side of the street. And it's just so much more open and airy. But they're also realistic. Here's Julie Raboyne. With our small population, it's hard to to make a business feasible or even several businesses. So anybody who invests is going to have to be a, a very generous benefactor. As we were walking over, I'd ask Julie, say another developer comes along with grand plans and deep pockets. Given what happened last time, would the community be wary? Oh, that's a good question. Perhaps. I, but I think as a community, having stuff... Ultimately, Julie said, what choice would Newport have? It's not like we're going to wait around and pick between three best offers, you know. If one thing comes along that works for us, meets zoning, and seems like it'll work out, we're in. I'm in. Hello? Hi, Jill. It's Liam and Angela. Hi. We got back in touch with Jill Raymond to share the answer to her question. Angela, you want to start? Sure. Um, So, yeah, we've had a good time the past couple weeks looking for the answer to your question, Jill. Although, I guess the bad news is that there really isn't much of a plan for the pit. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I was hoping, though. I wished and hoped that something would come through. I wished and hoped that people had stuff happening and that nobody was looking, so nobody was reporting it, and that we'd find out that something was going to happen at some point. But I also was pretty skeptical that 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 was possible. Um, The whole not it thing is kind of dissatisfying, but I'm not surprised. Whatever ends up happening in that block... Jill says she just hopes the community gets a heads up. I would hate for us to all of a sudden it get sold and there be no communicating to the community and no um, clear messaging and then all of a sudden something's happening and we don't know what it is.
Thanks so much for listening to the show this month. Liam Elder Connors reported this episode with me. If you have a question about something that's going on in your community, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can also vote on the question you want us to tackle next. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund and from VPR members. If you like this show, consider becoming one at bravelittlestate.org donate. Or make a gift of your feedback. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. Editing this month by Mark Davis. Our theme music is by Ty Gibbons. Other music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. We have engineering support from Chris Albertine and digital support from Elodie Reed and Meg Malone. Special thanks this month to Anna St. Marie. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back next month. And until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.